Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Man of the Post podcast, it's the Football Manager edition, we are back for episode 3, I am your host Ross and with me tonight, a man who on his way to Ibrox for his last game was so desperate for 3 points he got pulled over by the police, it's Mr Alex Stewart, how is that? Hello, very good, how are you? very good, <laughs> um, physically exhausted after playing 11 aside and mentally exhausted having watched Southampton lose the EFL Cup. Oh, what day? How did you get on at 11 side? Did you win? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, it went really well there. Yeah. Yeah. Everything today well, it has been brilliant. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you heard his voice there. That's Ryan, a man who, in his football manager life, decides to purposely manage Mauro Riccardi. He's got a. He likes, to, he likes to challenge, apparently. Hello, Ryan, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. I mean, well, he. He was only, I was, I only had him for one season. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he was originally going to leave at the start when I joined. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, God, I need him around. And he, he ended up winning the Golden Boot. <laughs> and then Manchester United came calling again. And when they offer like 100 mil plus <laughs> clauses, you can't say no. No, not really, no. That's a lot of money. So yeah, we'll start, we'll start with our saves. Uh, we'll get to mine and Alex's in a bit. Ryan, you, you've got one main save going at the minute, haven't you? Yes, so I'm currently at Man City. Uh, it's I think it's about 2022, if I remember right. Okay, it's good. Five, six um, years. But I was yeah. So the first five years into Milan, uh, won the Europa League in the first season. As I just said, Icardi was really good. Yeah. Had to sell him. And, and the theme of the save is have a really good player every season and have to sell him to Manchester United. <laughs> Uh, so Icardi first season, Icardi went to United. Uh, with the with the money we got, uh, bought in like Zuma, right. Costa, uh, and uh, Marco Asensio from Real Madrid. Oh, yeah. Really good players. Uh, all worked out really well. Um, so second season, Costa wins the Golden Boot. Manchester United <laughs> want him. He wants to go. <laughs> he, he leaves. Okay. Um, a couple of players leave. I mean, the Chinese league gives us a bit of money. They wanted Perisic, which 60 million in January, you can't really say no, no to. Um, so that was, you know, all good. Um, in that second season, we win the domestic double. So I've, I never win Champions League, Champions League success, right. but that is the first year. And then we end up winning four domestic doubles on oh, the wow. bounce, which as into Milan, it, it's pretty, pretty yeah, good. It's dominant, dominant that league over you, yeah. Yeah, Juventus go out and spend a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> Aubameyang joins them, which is a bit interesting. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah, every season it's Asensio leaves the next year <laughs> after being named uh, Player of the Year um, for PSG. The following year, Gabriel Barbosa wants to go United again. <laughs> um, Dominico Berardi leaves, who I bought in the first season. And it was just every year, every summer, it would be one of the top players wants to yeah. leave. And you just have to 
eventually say yes. Because Inter Milan's reputation never gets that big, if Manchester United do come knocking, they usually come knocking with a lot of money yeah. and players often want to leave. Mm. So, yeah, so four domestic doubles on the bounce, really good sort of, you know, we've brought some good young players in. Uh, Maximiliano Romero, the young striker, yeah. he's he came in, did really well, and then Man City came knocking. I thought, I'm not going to get Champions League success with Inter at this point. No. Because Manchester United is far too good. And that was the reason why I was getting quite a lot of money, was Icardi and Barbosa in particular signed big, win the Champions League, win the Premier League, bonuses and the deals and oh, clever. they kept winning so it was just constant yeah. um, so and then Man City came knocking Guardiola had barely won anything in his time I think it was an EFL Cup and a Community Shield so nothing oh, wow. in, in the five years that he was there didn't win anything apart from that and yeah get there and I get given six million six spend, which is a bit interesting <laughs> yeah. yeah so <laughs> Difficult to sort of rebuild at that point. Yeah, have they still got the the same kind of squad they start with? Have they got a lot of Asian players? Can you move some people on, or you've got st- you've stuck uh, with players, old guys with massive wages? A couple of well, massive wages everywhere. I mean, the, the wage bill is about five and a half oh million God. when I join, um, and it's just ludicrous amounts of money. And I can shift a few players around. I mean, they seem like the team built on FIFA from someone that just wants to buy all the best players. <laughs> Um, so Coutinho, Firmino, Isco's there, uh, Nathaniel Klein's there, and it, it's it, a lot of them were Liverpool. Players yeah. that they just thought, well, we need, and it was very top heavy. The attack was star studded, so De Bruyne was still there, um, Aguero's gone at this point. Mm. Um, so really good attacking, sort of Lewandowski's your main striker, which is a bit bizarre, and then the defence is just barren. Yeah. You've got Otamendi who's looking to leave. <laughs> Uh, he, he's retired. He's not even retiring. His contract is expiring when I join, and then since I release him because of his wages, the board gets really upset. <laughs> I'm like, well, he, his contract had expired. Yeah, I had to let him go. So that, that's where I'm at at the moment. It's it's going all right, and I don't want to say too much because I'm currently writing um, the story about it at the moment. So I don't want to sort of say how we're going. Okay. Um, but it, it's it's going well for Ma- with Man City at the moment. Oh, good. Okay, hmm. Alex, you've had slightly differing fortunes to Ryan then recently. Yeah, just a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> we spoke um, on the last one, last podcast, how you'd never been sacked before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's really it's bizarre, and I'd, Matt, who's taken over from me at Rangers, is now He's uh, having a great time, isn't he? Cognizant of what I was explaining to him, which <laughs> is that. When you have tens of thousands of people watching, which sadly, weirdly, is is not an exaggeration, things suddenly get a lot harder. And and that's, you know, I I hasten to add, I've never in any of the saves I've done, um, you know, kind of quit and restarted or or saved prior to big games. That's that's not the thing. It's just, just something about the expectation of having to produce stuff all of the time and having people commenting and uh, and you know expressing in some instances really really helpful opinions and other other instances yeah. just just diatribes uh, against you um that makes it really hard um so yeah Matt's suffering i've i'm now employed um, you are again, back in employment i am back in employment so we did a live stream on 
um, Thursday. Yeah. Which jumped slightly ahead of, of where we're actually at in, in written terms. We'd, right, we'd, yeah. We played the games, but we'd, um, we'd not published the piece yet. But I'm, I am now at semi-professional bottom of the table Dumbarton. <laughs> um, semi-professional. They are the only semi-professional side in the Scottish Championship. Wow. Um, they also are two lovely, lovely little facts. Um, they're the only side who have won the Scottish top tier but not featured in the Scottish Premier League since that was founded. Right. And they're also the first and one of only two Scottish sides to have won every one of the four tiers of Scottish football. Wow. So, I I mean, I really like them. They're, they're, the squad, I'm still getting kind of used to it. Um, I'm playing a, a 4-4-1-1 with a, a target man on support and a shadow striker. We've got two draws so far. We are no longer bottom of the table. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I have to be honest, the gulf between Dumbarton and every other side in that league is enormous. Yeah. So, um, avoiding automatic relegation is the only thing the board have asked of me, and that's pretty much the only thing that they could have asked. I mean, there's no lower to go. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, whether, if I can achieve that in six games, I'll be really, really happy. Um, is that all that's left know, of the season? That is, well, no, that's all that's left of, um, so in Scotland, what they do is they play up to oh, yeah. to the end of a the third set of fixtures, and then yeah. the league split. Um, this is what happens in the in the Scottish Premiership. I don't know if it happens in the Championship as well, um, but I know in terms of in terms of how the series is going with with what Matt and, and Ian are doing in the the top flight, there, yeah. there will be. I think five or six, and then plus five or six. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not many more to go for for this one. So so, yeah, yeah. so that that's the aim then for the next six games is to literally just avoid relegation and move on after that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, what we're going to do with um, the 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 save itself afterwards is is still kind of up for discussion. Um, right. I mean, it's I I don't want to say too much at the moment but no, there is going to be some really really awesome stuff coming out of the set pieces okay. starting next week in fact um, things Ooh, things to get excited about so um, I think it's next week um, so we've got we've got a lot on FM wise um, mm. and, and working out quite how all of that fits in all the things that we're going to do with it. It's it very much a stay posted, but if, you, if you're if you enjoying the FM stuff that we're putting out, um, then it's just going to get better. Oh, excellent. Okay, that's that's really good to hear. Yeah, I think, I mean, the amount of interaction I see with whenever the FM project releases a tweet, it, the amount of responses it gets is it's quite incredible, really. It, it is. Um, and what's also really nice is that the... Um, a uh, series of, of tactical pieces that I'm doing for Betbright as well yes. um, are are going down well, and people are contacting me to say, "Oh, you know, I, the slightly random three-six-one mm. sort of thing that I did um, with the Brazil side, people are using that and having success." Um, obviously, the the Simeone thing. I mean, I think actually that that sort of Simeone style four-four-two is one of the ways to um, to do well in this game particularly yeah. if you've got the right players. It, it does seem to work 
extraordinarily well with quite a lot of different sides. Um, the the key trick I think is having a really good player who can go out in the left wide playmaking role, um, right. which obviously with Real they've got Koke and and you know if you're I'm trying to think Red Bull Leipzig you can use Emil Forsberg for example you mm. know that 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 seems to be a style that's working well for people um but yeah it's oh, okay. it's it's great you know we're we're sort of putting stuff out there and and people are coming back at us with with lots of you know and to be honest you don't you don't always just want positive stuff you having a bit of needle involved is actually quite <laughs> it's quite entertaining you know people having a go at you and oh you know you you're rubbish at this. That's a paraphrase, obviously. <laughs> I don't. I don't wish to swear on this podcast. Well, yeah, I like when I watch the live streams. You get you get the odd, like you say, there's the quite helpful tips and stuff that people post, but then it that's kind of lost within a sea of uh, other comments. Shall we say? <laughs> we actually had. Sorry, excuse my coughing. I was shouting all that's afternoon in golf. Um, <laughs> And I smoke like a chimney. Um, we actually had Jonathan Wilson <laughs> really? of Inverting the Pyramid um, coming on and giving uh, Matt genuine tactical advice <laughs> <laughs> during the live stream, which is pretty much the weirdest thing that I think I've ever seen yeah, uh, that, in that's... terms of FM yeah. meeting real life. Um, yeah. Very yeah, much two it... worlds colliding. Yeah, yeah, very much. Although, I, I mean, actually, I have to be honest, like, Jonathan's Jonathan's work, not just in Inverting the Pyramid, but also in some of the columns that he's done for The Guardian, mm. is is one of the two resources that I always head to if I'm trying right. to build a tactic. Um, that and um, Spielverlagen, which I've mentioned before on, on this. Yeah. Um, you know, if I want to understand how a team sets up, um, whether it's for FM or the, the tactical things I do for UMAX as well, mm. those are the two places I start. Um, and then I start looking at videos after that. But it, it's such a good way of getting to grips with, with tactics. And then you kind of look at it and think, okay, well, how can I, how can I implement that on the game? And it, it helps yeah. me. I learn about football tactics, but then I also learn more about FM. And the, the two things are sort of wonderfully synchronous and, and go hand in hand. That's a great thing about it. It's not just a game. It's a it's a learning experience as well, isn't it? For real real world. Oh, absolutely. And and I you know, the number of times where somebody will mention a player and, and just that kind of weird arcane repository of knowledge and you're like, Oh yes. yeah, he he started off in, in the Atalanta youth <laughs> system and then he moved here and it's like, How do I know this shit? Yeah. I know, I know it from FM. Or you'll see a player and you're Oh an absolute moment. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbarton, my my last game in charge of Dumbarton, as in my right. most recent, not that I got sacked again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Um, Mark Kerr was still in the full Kirk. Oh wow! I was like, it's Mark Kerr. It's Mark Legend. Kerr. I know. It's yeah. I was so I was so pleased. Is it? Yeah, I'm not sure he's not still the world beater he was ten, fifteen years ago. <laughs> Not so much. No. He's, <laughs> he's now slightly long in the tooth and short in the hair. <laughs> well, aren't we all? Um, how are you getting on with the, the mill save? Any more advancement in that one? Uh, I'm up to the January transfer window. Okay. <laughs> so I'm plugging away. Um, <laughs> and how have I done? Uh, I'm still in the Cups. I'm second in the league, but only on goal difference. Oh, okay. Um, and I've got Villa in the next round of the FA Cup. 
Winnable. Definitely winnable. Definitely winnable. Yeah. It's, it's going well. Um, Gregory's just been injured for two months, though, which Ouch. is a bit of a pain. So I've brought some young lad up from the reserves. Okay. And I can't remember his name, but um, he... Uh, yeah, he got he got in a lot of good scoring positions in the last kind of couple of games that he's played in. He's yet to score, but he's sort of he is in the right areas. But his right, okay. you know his stats at the moment are not they're not there. So um, I'm kind of so that might be Harry Smith possibly. No, it's not. It's a lad yeah. with a double-barreled name. Oh, okay, um, but yes, I can't I can't recall. But we're still you know I I there's been almost no tactical variation from me in that save at all. Uh, it's it's the the four three one two. I'm yeah. still using wingers as uh, fullbacks. Um, Ferguson and um, Marlon Romeo. They're doing brilliantly yeah. for me. Uh, Sid Nelson is head and shoulders the best centre back in the league. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, Sean Goss all right, and uh, Sean Williams has started to come into form a lot. Starting to score quite a few goals from free kicks as well. Oh, okay, um, which is good. I, I'm kind of. I'm starting to have a certain affection for Millwall. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, which is I spoke to Chris about this in our last regular too. podcast. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? It's it, I, I shouldn't have this feelings. To them. I'm a Leeds fan. I should hate them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm liking them. I've got to. I finished the first season. I we went up. We finished second. Good man. Uh, MK Dons just ran away with the league over 100 points. Yeah, they're they're on top of my league. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't get near them. I beat them both times we played them, but they just beat everyone else constantly. Um, done a fair bit of wheel of dealing because we didn't get a lot of transfer budget. I sold Matt Smith, who I bought in the last um, last summer window. I bought him for two seventy five. I sold him for six hundred to Rotherham, six hundred k. Oh, nice. And I've used that money fairly well. I bought Jamie Allen, a central midfielder from Rochdale. Yes. Who uh, deep line playmaker is exactly what I need, and he's got some nice looking stats for that thirteens and fourteens all around the place. Um, so he's going to slide straight into the Sean Goss role, who's gone back to Manchester United. But Manchester United have very kindly sent me James Wilson on loan. Ah, so, yeah. So if you get in the Championship, he becomes available, and for Millwall, he's a four and a half star player. Yes. The yes, only thing he's, is, he's the same as Lee Gregory in terms of they're both poachers. It, Wilson performed very well for me in the Bristol City save. Yes, he um, did, yeah. Yeah, United, United let him... This is why I, it's always worth playing, even if you're playing with quite a shit team, mm. just play it for a couple of seasons because good players, particularly good young English players, will become available. Oh, yeah, Bristol yeah. City, I got Wilson and I got Chalabar, and I don't think I paid a penny for either of them apart from mm. signing on fees um, because they just get let go. Um, yeah, like especially Ryan kids was in Chelsea and Man City. Oh, for sure. Well, like, like Ryan was saying with his Man yeah. City save, you know, if, if they're buying up everybody else's good players, then that's going <clears> to, <throat> you know, I'm guessing people like, uh, um, what's that? Who's that young Spanish midfielder who spells Alex with an I in it? Who's really good? Like oh, uh, he's yeah Garcia is nothing right yeah he's probably not there now no you know he's this no definitely right. not no. so so somebody you know whether it's a championship side or a lower Premier League side will have been able to pick him up mm. as a sort of four four and a half star prospect easily and yeah. you know that 
the only the only downside of this is if they've kind of molded in the reserves for that long that they've not you know fulfilled the potential that they could have had. Yeah. Um, but but it's definitely worth hanging in there. Oh yeah, definitely. Even if they don't sort of fulfill the potential, usually you get a, a decent player that you can at least have in the squad that's a good influence mm. and someone that that fits into the team. Even if they're not going to become a world beater, they, they'll be a good player for the team. I mean, the, the free market in, in my save has just been insane. I managed to get Lukaku on a free because his contract expired <laughs> and they didn't they didn't renew it or he didn't want to renew. Not sure. Signed Lukaku in one summer. Didn't really play him because I had Romero at the time, yeah. and he ended up going to Bayern in January for about twenty-five million. So that that was an immediate sort of, it's a know, great way of making of money, money that I, I wouldn't have got. And um, I don't know if you know Angel Correa from Atletico oh, Madrid. Yes. He was available on a fr- he was available on a free, which I could not believe. Wow. He's usually been very solid for me in all of my saves, and. Players like that, if you stick around for long enough, players get frustrated, especially on this year's game. It was a little bit more in FM16, but this one seems to be players will get frustrated and and asked to leave, and you can get some real bargains through the transfer market. And it's it's often a case I'll go on there every sort of month in the game and just see who's available, send my scouts out, see sort of what players are available for decent price. Because Asensio from Madrid was probably about three quarters of his value because he wanted to leave and Madrid wanted to get rid yeah. of him and players like that and you just think so many different bargains especially English players every season you get the, the report at the end of the season that says these are all the players that have been let go and you see some big names yeah I always scout them just in case young they're interested and you just think well even if they're an experienced player that's maybe sort of on the tail end of their career especially for a, a championship club you you know you've got a leader in there that can sort of slot in maybe not every game yeah because of their legs, but they're a good influence, and you know they'll get the job done. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at the, the free agent market now in the Millwall game, and uh, Sebastian Larson's available on the free transfer. Like he doesn't particularly fit into my style, but to get him on a free transfer, be for, his stats are still really good. His, his physicals mm. have gone down a bit, but you could use him in, in certain situations. I actually signed uh, Chris Commons from Celtic to play behind the front two to get, when you need a bit of. Uh, more experienced head because Anya Dimmer is as great as he is he's still only 20 years old so having someone that, that's got that experience and can also smack a long range shot is a, a nice uh, nice thing to have mm, for sure but yeah I've kind of stuck with the same the same tactic as well the 4-1 four, 4-3-1-2 four uh, it worked I can't see any reason to change from it I've got a 4-3-3 a with, with wingers if needed but I haven't really got any wingers so it's <laughs> the only downside to that one but it's worked on occasions I've also because I'm, I'm using the same tactic uh, I'm using the same tactic, tactic that I used to enter for Man City right. the, the players are sort of just about fitting I, I actually brought a few Inter Milan players with me um, sort of afterwards I sort of thought I know I can trust these players to fit into my system yeah. And it's a four-two-three-one. So the midfielders, are central midfielders, two wingers, and a, a guy behind the striker, um, and that that seems to work pretty well. And it's just weird that I was so sort of blinkered on. I was like, I'm going to play the exact same formation, <laughs> same player roles. Yeah. But then I looked at the squad and just went, "This is so unbalanced to how I'd normally build a squad." Mm. I had all these different players. I'm like, they're not going to fit in. I don't have wingers, and and then with the lack of money, I had to sell to buy to fit into our system when I could have really just. 
built a system around the players I had. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to maybe talk about in my future podcast is do you fit the system mm. to the players you got or fit, yeah, work around it. But um, I've also done a few other, I'm all, I've got three or four saves running. I'm doing a, a Leeds United one for the Football Pink, um, which Mark has tasked me with getting Leeds back into the Champions League within five years and turning a profit. Um, <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. The first season's gone right. I got promoted. We, we went up. Sp- uh, that's going to be spoilers. Oh, well, yeah, if you listen to this, yeah, we, we, won, mm. we won the league on the final day. Um, and we went up and we turned a profit because I managed to sell Charlie Taylor, whose contract was expiring, and Stuart Dallas, who I didn't really want to sell but couldn't turn down six million. So we turned a profit first year and had success, but it's not started well in the Premier League, shall we say, up to now. And I've also tried to start the, the Pentagon Challenge. I started in Asia, uh, in the Chinese League. That is tough. Very, mm. very tough. Because you start Sunday League experience, unemployed, and I got a job with the worst team in the second tier of Chinese football. <laughs> Surprise to me. Not every team in China has got lots of money. Quite a lot of them have got no money at all. And it, Yeah, I went through, I think, four different teams in the space of two seasons and I finally worked my way up to the first division of Chinese football and I've got like a five million pound transfer budget but some of the the rules that are in place in China are mad you have to have a Chinese goalkeeper um yeah and there aren't a lot of good of those ones and you can only have I think it's five non-Chinese players in your squad on your matchday squad you can have eight in your overall um registered squad as well so you can have to kind of pick and choose which foreigners you do want so that's tough I'm, uh, that's going to be a very very long term save I think trying to win the each continent's Champions League yeah Sam Sam Tai did that recently the British yes. report fella and he's writing about it sort of through us and um, <clears throat> I think the way he certainly the way he went about China was he took over at Xinchang, uh, yeah. got them promoted, but then as soon as a better team job became available, he just jumped straight to that. It's got, I think it's yeah. the thing about the Pentagon Challenge that's most interesting for me is that it's anathema to the way that I play the game, mm. in that it is entirely about getting yourself to a team that can win things quickly. Yeah, you're it's a football not master, about, aren't you? Right, you're not building a you're not building a squad. You're not saying, okay, well, you know, I've I've got I've got some sixteen and seventeen year old lads here who could be world beaters, and I'll be here in ten years' time to to see that through. It's, yeah. it's absolutely just leapfrogging from side to side, getting wherever you can, and it's. I think it would be really interesting for me in that respect because it would be so different to what I'm used to doing. I just, um, I, I don't, yeah. I'm scared to commit the time to it. <laughs> but it's, well, it's that, so how, tempting. How, how do you normally do it then? Do you, do you prefer to stay at a sort of long term? Oh yeah, I'll, um, or I'll, do you sort of jump around? No, I, I almost never, on my big saves, I almost never leave clubs. I always feel bad if I've had a bit of success with a smaller team because I always start with smaller teams. I always feel bad kind of walking away from it and taking a, a, a bigger job because I always think what could have been if I'd stayed like two or three years later. Mm. Well, I'd, for, that, that's, that is the thing. I'm the same. I, I, I normally prefer to sort of stay at a club and it, it's always a really difficult decision when a big club comes after you and says, you know, do you want to join? You sort of think, yeah, but I've got... yeah. 
my transfer plans this year, this season, and I want to try and get elsewhere. Mm. I mean, uh, a couple of seasons ago, on I can't remember which FM it was, I started off at Vitesse in Holland and won the league back to back, which for them is quite unheard yeah. of. Um, and then Everton came along, and and I went, I went there, um, and I've done it before where I've left clubs to go to like Everton or Southampton, and then those have become my long term clubs where yeah. it's been like 10 seasons and I just can't face leaving Do you bring players, so like in that Vitesse one, did you bring players over from Vitesse with you because you knew what they were like and you were kind of comfortable managing them or did you just start from fresh, it was like the other club didn't exist I, I don't tr- I don't tend to sort of say the other club didn't exist almost. it's very much like, I know the players are there, but I mean the problem with the Vitesse one was going to Everton the players I had, most of them didn't fit. Mm. I mean, I think I had Odegaard on loan at Vitesse, and he was really, really good. Um, and that was the only player that I thought would actually fit in that squad mm. in the Everton team that I had. This Inter one's been a bit different because I knew I knew a lot of the, a lot of those players would actually fit into the Premier League because they've either been there before or they're, they're a high enough caliber that they'll yeah. suit. It, it's always very different, especially if you jump from a very small club to a very big club. There's a lot of players that I'd love to bring along. They just won't suit the league or the the situation. I think that should be your next big thing, Alex, to try that. To just be a complete managing mercenary. Almost a Jose Mourinho within Football Manager. All about short-term it, success. Yeah, and it... That's... But where... Okay, so let's do that, but then where do I start... I suppose you have to if you if you cop in the Jose model, you have to start with a, a relatively big team, I suppose, but in a mm. a lesser country. Yeah, that that was the that is a, it's a really interesting save to do. And um, the Vitesse one was, you know, I've done it a couple of times where I've gone there because of the Chelsea link, and I know I, I can sort of experience yeah. not managing Chelsea, but managing their youngsters and seeing how they turn out and help them mm. improve. Um, and you know you see all these players, and you're like, oh, these are great players, and then they never make it, anyway, <laughs> and you eventually buy them a couple of years down the line elsewhere because you know that you can trust them. Yeah. And it's really interesting because the Dutch league is a very strange place. It's it's there are teams like Ajax and, and so on, Feyenoord, PSV that are always top of yeah. the league, um, and then the, the, the teams underneath that rarely ever sort of get near. So picking a team that wasn't those top three it was really interesting breaking down that barrier yeah that's always the fun challenge taking a team that yeah taking a team that isn't usually I mean they're not the worst team in the league because they were sort of normally fourth or fifth so taking that team and and taking them to glory was quite interesting but I always manage in the Premier League in the end there's some yeah FC Grunigan are quite good in this FM they've got Mm. some really interesting players um and Mikel Youngsmo off Benefit, who's a brilliant football writer, is a huge Groningen fan. So right. that's that's a good incentive because he can always tell you who to look out for. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. Mm. Um, well, it, I mean, you know, again, resources are everywhere, aren't they? So yeah. I I will I'll look at stuff like oh, I don't know the the uh, hot talents in World Soccer magazine, or I'll mm. look at there's you know any. I don't just go. I know that there are those long lists of of who all the kind of technical wonder kids are and everything like that. But there's it seems um, a bit like cheating at us, doesn't it? If someone's just giving you these are all the best young players, I, in I think it is a little I, bit. Yeah. Like it's what what's the point? It's it's like playing with um without uh, attribute masking on. 
yeah a tri- yeah a- yeah attribute um yeah, yeah it's uh i mean that that is the state of what my day's been like that i can't even <laughs> really say that word um but yeah it's like you know you don't you don't just start with an encyclopedic knowledge of everything it's nonsense you you know so to to try and i mean i i'm also not one for saying well i was never a professional footballer therefore <laughs> i'm yeah. gonna start you know a- unless i were to do the pentagon um i think generally speaking i'll start with the coaching badges that are appropriate to the league because yeah. that seems perfectly reasonable but you've got to have there's nothing more fun than discovering a player and whether you're discovering that player because you're watching the Europa League mm. in real life and think, oh shit, they're actually really good, or yeah. like like Davy Selker at uh, RB Leipzig. Yes, you know, I kind of I, I came across him playing actual football, and then thought, oh, what would he be like in the game? And ended up having a bit of a tinker with the save with them, mm-hmm. um, and you know, that's it, it's sort of again like we were saying before, it's those overlaps between the game and, and real life and how they sort of feed into one another mm. yeah I think that would be interesting. I, I'd suggest someone maybe like a like a Wolfsburg possibly or something like that for you to start with because they're a that, that's, a, that's a very tough challenge I've, I've tried Wolfsburg before well, oh, to get past Bayern again I, suppose, I think it's it? that thing of I think it's the thing of you know having to sort of uh, stick at it um, because yeah, I mean, Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg's got a very good squad. I mean, I I tried it when they had uh, Draxler and people yeah. like that. So you thought, uh, Drax, um, before even Draxler, De, uh, De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. And you think, I've got a couple of players here that I think can take me places. But it's so difficult because it's exactly like real life where big clubs come in. I mean, I try to save with Ajax because they've got so many great young talents mm-hmm. like uh, Bazoa and people like that. As soon as you start, oh, yeah. like, all the big players come to your door and say, Oh, Manchester United want to sign me. Barcelona want to sign me, and you're like, okay. <laughs> and then they don't want to stick around. There is a way around that. Slight, well, it's a slight okay. workaround on that, which is you sell off a lot of the non-Dutch players, right? Because that way you can almost guarantee that people like Bazoa, Jara Riedewelt, um, Matthias De Ligt, who's down in the under 19s or whatever, but is an absolute diamond. Yeah. They they will start first team games if you get rid of the the most of the non Dutch ones and 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 most of them like um, Lasse Schoener and uh, Serraro they're not that good anyway so you can kind of appease them by being like look you will be first team I'll give you a player a contract as a key player and play yeah. you regularly um, and they tend to be a little more chilled about staying. Um, mm. But you do. You've got an embarrassment of riches at that club. That's the problem. Is there are so many good yeah, players that um, you kind of you're a bit stuck. It's and it's quite difficult to find a system that works for all of them as well because you've got these kind of deep lying. I mean, I ended up doing a thing with them, which basically is like a what is it? It's like a three five one one where right. I'm using. <laughs> I'm using Kenny Tete and Mitchell Dykes as as actual wingers, um, but in in the midfield wing position rather than the advanced wing position. Yeah. So you get a lot of solidity from them. Um, it, I'm so, yeah, it's a sort of a kind of total football style of thing, and and that works really really well. Um, and and it's all young Dutch players um, and and Dolberg because he's amazing. 
they're a great side to watch. But no, and look, I, this this idea of kind of hopping around from club to club is really enticing. I just I'd need to know, I need a good place to start. Yeah, that's, maybe that's, that's one that's for our, issue. Our, our listeners. If you want to tweet yeah. us and tweet Alex, let us know. Just what, give some, throw out some suggestions of where um, you think Alex should start. Uh, kind of a not the biggest club in the country, but maybe a top four club that you can win. I think the goal kind of has to be Champions League win and then oh, move yeah. on, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the... Yeah, people get yeah. in touch. It's what you clarify as, as success before you move on. I mean, the thing was, I said, the Inter thing was, I could stay there for another five years and never win the Champions mm. League. And I thought, well, maybe I could have a bit of a different challenge. Um, when I was at, I've done Everton before, I've done Southampton before, where I've been at the club for 10 years and... I've never been able to hit the Champions League heights, but I've been able to win the league or sort of, you know, do all the d- the domestic trebles, but never the Champions yeah. League. And it, it, at what point do you think this isn't going to happen? I don't want to stick around. Maybe I should go elsewhere. Say if Barcelona come knocking, mm. it's, it's what you do in that situation for real, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Let's move on to. I want to talk briefly about. Well, I did want to talk about player roles, but I want to save it for a different podcast. We're going to talk about training because it's that's the one part of football manager that I I kind of shun the most. I think everyone has one area that they don't tend to really delve into, and I kind of I set up a training schedule and I kind of forget about it, and I, I walk away and leave the assistant to kind of handle that side of the game for me. Is that something that you really delve into, Alex? The, the, the training of players and um, I think it depends on. I mean, look, if you're like Ian McIntosh, then yes. your ideal scenario is that you're actually managing not just your senior side, but your youth team. You're setting mm. all of the. You're like, Ian gets deep sometimes. The amount of notes right. he's got on players <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> it's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> um, that's And none of that is put on either, you know. I, I can actually. <laughs> I can see from my Steam account that Ian is currently playing Civilization 4, though, so maybe we shouldn't speak of him. <laughs> um, so I, what I tend to do is, uh, with youth players, I make sure that I've got a really good um, head of youth development, and I let, I let them deal with the under-19s. Part of the reason for that is that we all know that actually many of them won't make it, and also... If they're that good, and I'm talking about prospect good rather than at the present time, I'll still have them around the fringes of the first team squad anyway. So that'll be my responsibility. Um, ever, so that kind of individual training, match training for the junior squads leave to someone else. I think in terms of, um, well, firstly, uh, like general team training, I have a really straightforward system, which is that... Um, basically, up until uh, a fortnight before the season starts, I've just got them on fitness. Two weeks before the season starts, I go them on tactical. And then all I do <clears throat> for the whole of the rest of the season is I rotate through the remainder, but I don't do fitness. So so it, it, it won't always be balanced. There'll obviously be uh, weeks where, you know, you've got, quite a lot of spare time and that happens to be ball control and you might miss out on some team cohesion or whatever it is but I just cycle it through 
Um, it means I don't really have to think about it. They're getting quite a holistic um, training regime. Uh, I put a lot of emphasis on hiring in good coaches anyway, so that makes a big difference. And then in terms of individual player stuff, um, I will listen to my assistant, but I also think, A, you've got to be really careful about not overtraining people. Um, as, as we've talked about before, player power is massive in this game, and if you're getting them to do stuff that they don't feel is worthwhile or that there's too much of it, they will get grumpy with you. Um, and I think sometimes you, you kind of don't need it. You know, if a player's really, really good, then why complicate it by doing stuff? If I've got, I don't know, if I've got a ball-winning midfielder and they don't have play short, simple passes, then I will ask for that because that makes sense. Um but I don't think, you know, if I look at a player who's got a host of preferred moves, I'm not necessarily seeing, like, oh, there's a huge amount of benefit from all of these different things that they can do. Um, I think what's much more important is setting individual um, player <coughs> instructions within the tactical screen, because I think that overrides what the the kind of individual player traits are. Yeah. No, yeah, that all makes sense, definitely. Ryan, is that something that you kind of take any time to do? You're setting up your training, or do you just kind of, like, I just uh, go to the staff screen and uh, hand over all control? It's a little bit like you. I sort of shun away from it. Um, maybe twice a season I'll go back in and sort of review yeah. what my assistant's doing, um, mainly individual training-wise. Uh, one thing that I really want to improve on and something I need to keep looking at is is the weekly training um because I I just leave it on whatever the assistant thinks, but some games that's not really appropriate. Mm. So it's about making sure that what the team's preparing for is actually what's going to be relevant for the game. Yeah, um, individual-wise, I go in and just make sure that my youth players. Yeah, come on. That's just say. Um, I always want to sort of go in the youth players that I've got in the squad that I think I really need them to be working on particular things because I want them to be this type of player. Um, I will make sure they've got the individual training regime set up to be like, I want you to play. Even if they're currently not, say, a, a ball-winning midfielder or a box-to-box midfielder, that's what the tactic yeah. needs, and they've got the stats to do it. So I'll enforce that, and, and hopefully they they pick up the skills that they need. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's something I need to kind of look a bit more into, but I just I tend to just skip past it. I'd spend my time doing other stuff other than the game, but I'll get, I'll get into it at some point. Um I don't know how I don't know how big of a benefit it is. I suppose that's the the other question is mm. how much does training actually impact sort of player development and also how does it affect the team in general? Apart from yeah. the player power thing. No, yeah, or maybe that's something to kind of look into more and kind of I can come back to you with an answer on that. Though, how much of a difference does it actually make? But uh, you had a question, Ryan, didn't you, for me and Alex? Yeah, well, so I'm currently writing. Uh, my first sort of football manager story based on the save that I'm currently running and sort of the question was just going to be how do you sort of structure it, how do you play your game and then write about it. Now I've been reading a lot of the uh, FM17 project Alex so that's sort of where a lot of my inspirations come from so far and I've been reading yours as well Ross and it's just sort of how do you sort of sit down and plan your story out and how, do you, how much do you play beforehand before you get into it. I'll let you Far away, Alex. Um, 
Yeah, so the the, <clears throat> the way we're doing it at the FM17 project at the moment is because it's a network game, we are um, we're constrained as to when we can play. So we tend to to bash through three or four games at a time if we can in in a session. Um, screen grabs of uh, the tactical setup and then the post match stuff, and then it's kind of. You know, it's, it's it's sort of you're introducing the game, then you're explaining what happened, and then you're maybe adding a little bit of context to come out of that in terms of what that means for I don't know the table or your job security or whatever it is. But it's quite an unusual format, I think, because we're also yeah. <clears throat> we're interpolating the the you know my bits and Ian's bits and and Matt's bits. What what I've tended to do with my other saves I've written about is very much um, write it as I go along. So, you know, have have a Word document open, have the game going, and when something significant happens, just make a note of it straight away, um, and then kind of go back afterwards and, and tidy it up. And I find that that you actually the, the the season and the occurrences give you the structure, and the flow comes from that yeah. because you know that there'll be a run of games that actually aren't that important. You know, you might you might win a few on the bounce and lose a few on the bounce, and it's like, well, you know, we collected twelve points from a possible twenty, and, and <laughs> yeah, and we're and we're mid table, and it doesn't matter much. Whereas there might be a game that's really on a knife edge and hugely important, and somebody comes out, and you actually really want to go into that in some detail. So, I find it easier to be doing that contemporaneously rather than trying to make notes and do it all off screen grabs and stuff like that. Is that kind of the way you did the um, the Moneyball one and, and the, the Bristol City one? Is that kind of mm, that's exactly how I did it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the way I've done. It. Obviously, I've not written anywhere near as much as you, but it's for what I've done for Mark and the Football Pink is kind of play through a, a, a good chunk, maybe six months at a time, and then kind of make notes as I go, and then start writing it, and then add pieces to it as I go along. Um, how have you kind of structured yours? So far, Ryan, what, if, what you, uh, have you started it? So, so I've, I've got sort of all the screen grabs and everything from the majority of the games just in case I need them. And I've sort of made a little f- a few notes here and there. And that was the thing because I, I was sort of wondering whether I needed to potentially do every game. But again, that that's a lot of content when you possibly don't need it. As you said, Alex, you know, you could say, well, we won five games on the bounce, but they're all against sort of bottom half teams. It's not like it's that important or sort of that surprising that we won the games. Um, so I'm just sort of thinking at the moment there have been quite a few games where I think it'd be really interesting to show how that game went, my thoughts on it so it might just be that I sort of go back in, again I've done about six months of the save so far of, of what I'm actually going to be reporting yeah. on, so there's there's going to be a few things that I can sort of go back and make note of, and I think that's just deciding whether I do sort of majority of the games or I only do a couple of the games and maybe focus on transfers or tactics or sort of future plans yeah i mean i think as well it 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 matters a lot what the ethos of the save is so with the moneyball stuff um it, it was quite natural that that scouting setting that up balancing the books how we were doing financially and so on was was quite a significant part mm. whereas if you're I don't know, say you're trying to do a, an Ajax youth save where you get rid of all of your non-Dutch players and 
and only use Youth Academy products and stuff like that, which incidentally is an awesome save to do, then you know, you're not scouting because you're not buying anybody. So all of the attention is going to be going on something else, you know, hiring and firing of staff, how your players are developing, that kind of stuff. So I think I think the way that you play it, what you're aiming to do with it, does give a, a kind of a shape to the narrative as well. Um, and, and if it's simply to do well, then, you know, obviously it's it's who you're bringing in, big name signings. It's kind of, I guess, thinking about, you know, how would I... How would I summarize a season for a real club on Wikipedia? You know, what what are the big yeah. because you're not if if you're getting to over two thousand words, two and a half thousand words per season, then it's probably being it's probably too long. Um I yeah, yeah. that I find is about the benchmark for it. So so, you know, distill it down. What are the what are the things that you cared about when it was happening? And what are the things that tie in with what you were trying to achieve? And the rest of it, you can you can really summarise quite a lot. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, that's the thing. It's sort of coming into it from... I've written about sort of uh, like gaming reviews before, and this is a completely different type of writing because it's about writing about events in the game or it's sort of writing about sort of the way that I'm handling the situation or how I'm reading situations so it's, it's a very different type of mm. writing there's a few ways it's what I'm used to and I suppose that's the I've read various different stories and things of people that there's ways to approach it like you, you pretend you are the manager and you're writing like a, almost a diary type uh, story to it or you're like you're talking to the, 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 the reader and you're you are playing a game and you're writing it about writing about it like that there's different ways to approach it as well i the ones where you people I've read that are being the they are the manager, they're more in depth, but I don't think they're quite as as interesting as if you're just um, playing a game and writing about it. I think they're they're more interesting that way. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think we're I think we're about done, chaps. Unless there's uh, anything else you'd like to bring up. Um. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, I just, uh, you know, as always with um, with FM stuff, I think it's about. I'm really keen to hear from from listeners about, you know, what they're interested in in knowing about. You know, often people will will come up with questions or ideas or something that will get me thinking about it. So yeah, just to mm. urge people to kind of tweet in and and ask stuff really. Yeah, uh, definitely. More than anything, yeah. So you can you can tweet us at Man on the Post for all sorts of. Uh... Anything you want to know about Football Manager? Any questions? Any tips you want to give us? Well, I'll, I'll happily take them. My lead save is crashing at the minute, so I need, to, I need some help. So tweet me with uh, suggestions. One, one guy uh, tweet me with a couple of players. And a guy called Kevin Lasagna. I'd never heard of him before. I'm still not sure if he's a real player. Yes, he is a real player. Is he? Okay. Yes. And how is he? Um, like... I'm trying to think where I've come across Kevin Lasagna. <laughs> he definitely, he definitely exists. See, I've never heard of him, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna scout him and see if he's available in my league's game. Because uh... actually, what you need to do is is create a team where the surnames of the players are <laughs> some sort of food related thing, and and he he is obviously your star yeah. man. That's that's a save for yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. Right, Mark, I'm sending you that one next save. time. Yeah. That's my next <laughs> challenge, the food the food team. <laughs> uh, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. No, thank Tell you. Chris, next time you're on Extra Time, that playing games is a, a definite thing that adults do. 
Right, it's not just for kids. Yeah, he was he was very disparaging on Thursday's show, and I sort of said it's good that you weren't on Alex because he was being very rude about football manager. <laughs> no, it's because he's got two kids and no time to play it. That's why. Yeah, that's that's probably it. Actually, he's probably just jealous. <laughs> we'll get him on in future and we can just talk at him about video games for an hour and see how he likes it (laughs) but uh, where can people find you on uh, Twitter Ryan Uh, so my Twitter handle is at the Ryan Goodman and your story is going to be going up on manualpost.com is it possibly Uh, yes I assume so I hope so anyway Um, when I'm finished uh, I'll probably send over to you and see what what you think and whether it will fit there otherwise if it doesn't then I'll have to come up with something else or you can can always send it to me if it uh, if you if you want to do that as well, well, there you go. Now I've got oh, there are options. Now. Or, this is, this or is like have, a manager decision. Have two. Do do one for man on the post and do one for put Niels in goal. There you go. Well, that's the thing. I, I'm actually thinking since sort of we've been talking about it. I've been thinking. Oh, I feel like I want to start a new save now, but yeah. a, a themed save that I'm, something I've never tried before. So it's plenty of inspiration. The Kevin now. Lasagna. Obviously. I will let yes, you have the exactly. Kevin Lasagna save. Oh, you can have it. Thank you. Food save. <laughs> I don't want any player names changed. No John Terry's chocolate orange and stuff like that. Oh, I, I can't do notes. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's brilliant. Macintosh <laughs> actually changes nicknames for his players. He does actually he does. do that. Who's AJ? I can't remember. I can't. Uh, that's Christoph Heyer. Uh, oh, Lee okay. Griffiths was just grass for a long time, <laughs> and and obviously Chopper Brown. Chopper Brown, yeah. yeah. And and Macintosh is also the only person I know who writes additional comments in press conference answers. <laughs> I've never met anyone, and he's also the only person I know who plays with the sound up. Yeah, the that goes off up. straight yes, away. He actually plays no, with the sound that. up. <laughs> He's so He wants odd. to hear all those super realistic goal sounds. <laughs> we'll have to get him on the podcast in the future to explain some of these decisions. Because mm. playing with the sound makes no difference, does it, surely? None whatsoever. No. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get him on at some point in the future. Um, where can people find you on Twitter, Alex, if they didn't already know? Uh, it's at AFH Stuart uh, and also at FM17 Project. There you go. I'm uh, Ross Bell, 1984, and we are all on Man on the Post. Uh, they're both Twitter. Manonthepost.com is the website. Uh, there's not been a great deal out there, so anything you want to put up there, just let me know. Send it over. It'll go up. There's no um, requirements to how good it needs to be. Some of the stuff that I've posted before certainly isn't very good, but it's up there anyway. So send it on over. That's Ross at Manonthepost.com for all your um, website-related stuff. Uh, until we're back next time then chaps it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from Alex goodbye and a goodbye from Ryan goodbye and always remember to have your man on the post (laughs) 